You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. Where we have been for, gosh, over a year has been in the Gospel of Luke. And we have gone through pretty much verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. Why? because it's right here on this slide. It is God's plan for salvation. So as we go through Luke's gospel, we're looking at the big picture, which is God's plan for redemption of humanity through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we saw the life and ministry of Christ, and we're not done with Luke completely just yet. What we're going to do is we're basically going to kind of press pause on Luke because we are in the final hours of his life. As Coach uh, taught last week, Christ praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is at the very end of his earthly uh, time. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover the remainder of Luke in two weeks. It's going to be on Palm Sunday and then Resurrection Sunday, we are going to wrap up the Gospel of Luke because the resurrection of our Lord is really where we're picking up today. And so today we are starting a brand new journey. We're going from Luke, which is part one. We're going to go to part two, which is the book of Acts. And we look at this as one really, really long story. For all you Lord of the Rings and Hobbit fans, they have several trilogies out there. I, I don't know if I'm ashamed of this. I've never seen The Lord of the Rings, so you can boo me later. But I know of them. I just haven't had time to, to watch them. But if you think of that, that is one long story broken into three parts. Well, Luke is part one and Acts is part two. They're both written by Luke. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's blueprint for his church. This is why we do church. This is how we do church. We're going to talk about things. We're going to look at the first chapter in Acts today. But what we're going to look at, we're going to look at certain principles as we go through this that will help us when we go to chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way through chapter 28. But what we're going to see is we're going to see a miraculous spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to see that starting here in Jerusalem, then it's going to kind of go out and go to the ends of the earth. And by the way, I'm going to kind of spoil the ending, that mission of spreading the gospel continues today that you and I are part of. What we see is almost kind of a beginnings of the early church that you and I carry on today. Okay. So before we get into Acts, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 16. And I think this is important for us as we begin this journey to know exactly the, the origins of the church. And it starts back in Matthew's gospel. It is recorded in Luke and Mark as well, but I love Matthew's account of this. And this is Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. This is where Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And asked them, said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, could be this guy, this guy, this guy. He says in verse 15, then he asked them, 
but who do you say that I am? Now, this is in the middle of Jesus's ministry. So we're starting to see miracles. We're starting to see, you know, really good things to where the apostles are kind of starting to, little tiny dim light bulbs are starting to kind of come on of, okay, maybe this guy is the real deal. He says, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Another translation says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes on, I don't have it on the slide, in verse 17, but let's jump to verse 18. Verse 17, Jesus says, flesh and blood did not come to that conclusion, but my Father in heaven revealed that to you. He says this in verse 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, what is this rock? Is it Peter himself? Some people believe that, but no. It is that statement, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon that rock, Christ being the son of the living God, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So we see kind of the very first mention of the church that was to come. So now what we're going to do is we're going to see the birth of the church happen in Acts. We're also going to see, like I said, the message of Christ spread. And we will also see the work of the Holy Spirit through the works of the apostles. We're going to see that play out. Now, we refer to it as Acts. Not a hatchet, Acts, but a A-C-T-S. But really, the, the full name of the book is the Acts of the Apostles. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to cover the entirety of chapter one. You may be, oh, I got to go home and watch the Pro Bowl. No, what we're going to do is we're going to take chapter one and we're going to break that into four easily digestible points. And I encourage you to look on that U version. That way you can come back to these points and, and um, make notes of them. So the first point is we're going to look at the purpose of this book, the, the Acts of the Apostles. What is the purpose behind it? Well, I'm glad that you asked. So let's look at chapter 1, starting in verses 1 through 3. And we said that Acts is part 2 of a larger work. So if you look at verse 1, it says, In my first book I told you. What's that first book? The Gospel according to Luke. Then we have this person's name, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. That is the purpose of this book. That we are going to see the birth and the spread of the church. But this looks eerily familiar. So this is Acts 1, 1 through 3. I'll, just for reference, we're going to put up Luke chapter 1, starting in verse number 1. We're going to look at the first four verses of Luke chapter 1. And I want you to see how similar it is to that. 
This is Luke 1.1. 1, 1. It says, many people have set out to write the accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Again, this is Luke writing. Watch in verse 3. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. That's Luke's introduction. So when you go back and read Acts' introduction, you see that they are written to the same person for the same purpose, for certainty of you have heard these things. So who was Luke writing to? He says it in those first two introductions, a guy named Theophilus. What does that mean, Theophilus? First to him is most excellent Theophilus. Theo, or Theo, means God. Phileo, or Phylus, means friend. Theophilus was a friend of God, but he was of Roman uh, heritage. He was possibly in the army, but Luke refers to him as most honorable or most excellent Theophilus, someone with high standard, someone who also heard the things of Christ and was interested and said, Luke, can you write me an account of these things? Luke said, yes, I certainly can. So he wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And it wasn't him, because we see this in Luke's introduction in the Gospel of Luke. It said, it wasn't me just sitting there, mm, th mm, this would be a good story. Ooh, I'm going to make that fish this big instead of this big type of thing. It's not him sitting there thinking stuff up. It is Luke physically writing, but who is the author of both works? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, every piece of Scripture is divinely inspired. It wasn't Luke in his vast intellect, but him being the physical author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, Luke is part one. Acts is part two. So let's go back to Acts 1.1. You guys may already be there, right there. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. We see that is what Luke was about. Acts is now a continuation of this larger narrative. And you could even say that the Acts of the Apostles is also the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because we're going to see the Holy Spirit front and center. But in a much larger role, it is the Acts of Jesus Christ, building his church, in which the gates of hell will not prevail against this. Okay, so point number one, that's the purpose of this book. Number two, we're going to look at the ascension of Christ. At the end of Luke, we see that Christ is going to be crucified, dead, buried for three days, and then he is going to rise from the dead. So here, Acts picks up where Luke leaves off, and we're actually going to see the ascension of Christ. So let's jump over to Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. 
This is Jesus speaking to his apostles and his disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, two things to point out. Number one, if you are one of his followers, whether his disciples, which is a voluntary uh, follower of Christ, or an apostle, one who Christ designated you to be one of the, the pillars of this early church, you got to love it when your job description is laid out clear as day right in front of you. Jesus, Jesus explains to his apostles they will be his witnesses in those areas, that he will go and tell people about Christ. But I want you to see this in Jerusalem, which is right where they were, Judea, Samaria, and then all the ends of the earth concentric circles, for lack of a better term, start small, then it's going to build and build and build. That's the birth of the early church. Christ laid it out for them. But watch this in, in verse number nine. We're talking about the ascension of Christ. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. They strained to see him rising into heaven or as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood, stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Who were these two guys? Any guesses? Doesn't tell us, just two dudes in white. Angels, yep. A lot of people believe that these are angels. Why are there two of them? Couldn't one take notes on his clipboard and be like, yep, and then go back and report to the Lord? Why two? Jewish culture. Two witnesses means a truthful statement. If I were to go and, and say something, if it was just me, people go, mm, I don't know. But if it's Josh and I saying, hey, man, you should have seen this thing happen, people are like, okay. One, eh, kind of iffy, but two is truthful. Jesus also promised them power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. That is going to, we're, we're going to elaborate that on that in point number four, but I just want to kind of be thinking about that in verse number eight. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, so that's covering the ascension of Christ. We see his ascension into heaven. We see these two witnesses. They view it as well, and what Jesus does is he tells them, go into Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. You're not going to miss it, but wait. Go there and wait, which leads us to our third point. They were in one accord. In verse number four, I don't have the slide for this, 
But Jesus tells them not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out. So what they do in verse 13 is they go to the upper room. So here we have Peter, John, James. By the way, this is in verse 13, if you're taking notes. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, were missing one. Who is that? Judas Iscariot. He hung himself. Yeah, he gone. That's a biblical, technical term. So that's who is there. But watch this. There's other people there. But I want you to pay very close attention to verse 14. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brother of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up to address them. We're going to stop right there. 120 people were in this place. Probably, they probably had a balcony or something, because there's a lot of people up there. They are, good luck, trying to get three to five people to agree on one place to eat. After, think about it. After church today, like, where do you want to eat? Well, let's try this. Oh, I don't want to. We just had barbecue or whatever. Imagine 120 people constantly united in prayer. That itself, I believe, is a miracle when you get 120 people to agree on anything. But here we have 120 people there. Now, you may be thinking, wow, that is awesome. Yes, that is awesome. But I want to point this out. Can we put up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, 15, verse 5? It says, He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Five, more than 500 people were eyewitnesses to a resurrected Christ. 500. How many showed up? About a fourth. About a quarter of these eyewitnesses said, all right, let's get to work. Let's, let's spread your message. A quarter of the people. To me, that says a lot. In this period of 40 days, right after his resurrection, 500 people saw him, but only 120 showed up to the upper room. And it says that they were constantly united in prayer. What's interesting about this is they could have been squabbling like a bunch of siblings fighting. Why? They could have been like, oh, here comes Peter. Guess who denied Christ three times? That scoundrel right there, Peter. Not Tom, Peter. I'll point this way. They could have said, ooh, James, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, all of you guys fled. And it says in Mark's gospel that they abandoned Christ when he got arrested. They all could have had a legitimate beef with one another and said, Peter, you are not worthy to be in this room. Technical term, go on, get. You're out of here. You denied Christ when push came to shove. You're out of our 
He-Man Woman Haters Club. Get out. They could have done that, but there was a spiritual journey that they were about to embark on. They were united in prayer, not letting the little things get to them or cause division or strife or anything like that. They were united in prayer. And by the way, as we continue to go through the book of Acts, prayer is going to be a vital, vital piece to the early church. In fact, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Pilgrim's Progress, said this about prayer. Prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God, and a scourge to Satan. That is what prayer does. So here in the upper room, we have 120 people who could have easily had differences among them. They united with one another in prayer. And we're going to see what happens in chapter 2 after that piece. Okay. Everybody good and warmed up? Okay. So now we're going to look at the fourth point here this morning. This is the one that I want everyone to really kind of pay attention to. I know that we have a lot of students of the Bible, people who do their own intense study, whether it's part of a Bible study group, whether it's sitting there at your desk at work, whether it's you in your easy chair every morning or every evening, people read their Bible. This is one of the things that will help us because there is a lot of... Um, there is a lot of things, a lot of teachings out there that start to kind of shift at this particular point. So when we look at the Gospels, that is a written record, going back to what Luke said to Theophilus. This is so that you would have an orderly account of the things that you have heard that you know to be true. It was an orderly account, a basically a written record of what happened. Acts is the same way. And it reads, and, and understand when I say this, we need to look at it like a history book. It is divinely inspired scripture. But the fourth point I want to make is the narrative is not necessarily the norm. So what I mean by that is it is a record of what happened. We need to be careful about how we build our doctrine from the things that we read in the book of Acts. So you may be sitting there like, okay, what's this dude talking about? Okay, let me give you an example. You had the 12 that were personally chosen by not just Christ, but the Father and the Holy Spirit. If you go back to... Uh, Luke chapter 6, we see the selection of the 12 apostles. They were supernaturally chosen by the Lord. Knowing full well, all of them would abandon him, and one of them would forsake Christ and sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, which is what Judas Iscariot did. So you have the 12 apostles, now it's down to 11. So let's go ahead and pick this up in Acts 1.23. So they, the 120, possibly the 12, uh, sorry, the 11, nominated two men, 
Joseph called Barsabbas, known as, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in his ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. If you want to know where that is, I encourage you to go back around verse 20. Verse 26, then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Okay, so the point we're making here is the narrative is not necessarily the norm. Okay, so what's a lot? When you cast a lot, think of it like you're shooting dice. What they did was they left it up to chance. Now, let's say we're selecting another elder. Not the fifth beetle, but the fifth elder here at the church. And we say, you know what? Okay, we're going to let these dice decide. We're going to throw it. Whoever gets the most, I don't know, however, I don't know how to play dice, but I know how to do that right there. But we let the dice decide. Is that what the book of Acts is instructing us to do? As the church today, can we look at this and say, okay, get your dice ready. We need a new elder. Daddy needs a new elder. There you go. No. We see what they did is that instruction for us. No, the bigger piece that we need to look at here is what they did to prepare their hearts. What did they do? They prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in his ministry, for he departed us. They first sought prayer. Then what they did was they cast lots. Were they instructed to cast lots by the Lord? It doesn't say, but we don't believe so. But that's what they did. There was that game of chance that they took. That's how they chose Matthias. Now you may be thinking, okay, that's a technicality. You're starting to split hairs. Let me give you another example. In Acts chapter 5, we probably won't get there for a while, but you have the Apostle Peter walking around Jerusalem, doing his thing, enough to where his shadow, his shadow was healing people. Now, a couple pieces to this. You guys know Punxsutawney Phil? Yeah. Looks like we have more winter. That's all we need, more winter. But up there in somewhere in Pennsylvania, uh, they have the, what is, it? what is he, Groundhog? Groundhog, yeah, okay. Groundhog Day, how about that? Uh, Bill Murray made a movie about it. Uh, Groundhog Day, seeing his shadow. There's a lot of emphasis about that today. Acts, we see Peter. Here's the thing, we need to understand, I am not Peter. You are not Peter. No one in the history of the planet is Peter other than Peter. Peter was chosen personally by Christ. He was an apostle. You guys ever read old Superman comics? No? No one? I'm the only one? Okay. I used to read Superman comics way back when, but it says that he was faster than a speeding bullet, or faster than a speeding train. Why has no one corrected me on that? Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. 
Bullets can bounce off his chest, but he can also jump over a single building in a single bound. I think I said that wrong, but single bound, yeah. If I were to, as a young boy, open that comic book and say, wow, bullets can bounce off his chest, I want to be Superman, and I go out with my cape, something bad is about to happen. Same type of thing. We cannot, much like that comic book, look and say, look what he did, I can do that too. There's a lot of churches out there, a lot of ministries that say anything they can do, you can do more of. That's where you start getting into very, very dangerous territory. So, when we look and see Peter's shadow healing people, am I going to run outside and wait for, a, wait for a sunny day and go kind of stand and kind of get my shadow just right to heal somebody? That's the wrong way to look at the book of Acts. So when I say the narrative, the narrative is what we're reading here in Acts is not necessarily the norm that we need to understand that there are certain things that only the apostles could do, that we can't look at that and go and put that into action today. We need to look at Acts as a narrative which the things necessary for the church we can pull out of, it is not necessarily a to-do list. And again, I want to remind you, we're calling this God's blueprint for His church. When you have the blueprints laid out, you know exactly what it's going to look like. So not every piece of Acts is a directive, much like how they chose Matthias. It's not a directive. It is a model on how we should conduct church and how it should be structured. The point is through the work of the Holy Spirit, we, we as in us, should be able to point people to Christ. As we go through this, we're going to see the Holy Spirit doing His work in the lives of the apostles. We're going to see it to the Jew first through Peter and other apostles. Then we're going to see Paul enter the picture. That's where the word of Christ, the gospel, is going to spread to the Gentiles. Acts is our guide. It is a written history of the church and the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our job is to continue this mission in 2022 of presenting the truth of Christ to everyone that we meet. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together today. Father, we thank you for your written word. Thank you for your divinely inspired word that helps us each and every day. That helps us grow closer to you. Father, as we continue through this study of the book of Acts, we do so not on an intellectual level, but Father, we do so on a spiritual level, that you can guide us with your Holy Spirit and illuminate the things in your word that can help us share Christ more effectively with others. And Father, this week I ask that you Use us in ways that you never have before. And Father, that we as followers of yours can trust in you, that we can rely not on our intellect, but Father, we can rely 
on your Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us those words to minister your word to someone that we never have before. And Father, that we would be able to step out of our comfort zone and to rest in you in that situation. Father, that the goal is clear, and that is to elevate Christ, to point people to Christ, because it is through him that we have redemption back to you. And it is through him that we have salvation. And if there is anyone here in this room, or if they are online, who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord, if, they, if you have never surrendered to him, you may have an intellectual knowledge of who he is, but if you have never surrendered and said, Lord, I need you, Lord, I submit everything to you. I just ask that you find myself and you find one of the elders during this ministry time and just let us know and we will help you with that. We thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.